We're reading from Titus 1, verse 1 to 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. Let's uh, listen to God's word together, shall we? And um, it's just a short little passage um, at the start of this new teaching series, really, this, this letter uh, in, the, in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote to a guy by the name of Titus. And it's a little letter. Um, it's just three chapters long, and we're going to be spending time as a community looking uh, bit by bit over that and um, just listening to what God is saying through the Scripture. Because um, Paul wrote this letter to this leader called Titus to a little church, a new church, or new churches. Um, and we'll see more about that in a minute. But I think, you know, it's a small, uh, new-ish growing church. There's lots that we can learn from this. And so I'm excited to dig in with you over the next few weeks. And a couple of our uh, folks from Foundation are also going to be joining me in the teaching as well, which is really exciting. I'm so encouraged about that. Um, a few folks have just said, I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll take the plunge. And, um, and so that's really awesome. So that's in a few weeks' time. Um, but what I want to really start out by uh, laying out this morning is what I consider to be the two main themes, um, I suppose tr- uh, twin tracks that we see all through the letter from Paul to Titus. And um, it's actually the name of the, I don't know if you've got the graphic on there, uh, it's the name of the series as well. Learn the truth and live the truth. And if we can sum up the entire teaching of Paul's letter to Titus, it's these two things here, learn the truth or, and live the truth. Or in other words, we could say, get the truth straight and let the truth shape you. You know, they're very much connected. So let's first of all then think um, about this grand theme here of getting the truth straight, you know, learning the truth. Um, And we've just had read to us uh, from Lindsay the introduction to this letter. And sometimes when we're reading these New Testament letters, we can sort of jump over the introduction and get to the, the good stuff, you know, the real stuff. But actually, there's much that it can teach us here. And Paul uh, typically begins with this flourish of uh, theology and, uh, you know, themes, and he just puts it out there. And even in this, he communicates these two important themes, learn the truth and live the truth in this letter to Titus. Titus um, was part of the missionary team sent out by Paul and his colleagues to go to this island of Crete, which is a, now a Greek island in the middle of the Mediterranean. And, um, and there was evidently a few churches that had already been started somehow or other um, by uh, you know, some colleagues of Paul. And Titus was then dispatched by Paul and the team to go and strengthen those churches. And we'll see over the next few weeks, there were a few problems already, even in these young uh, churches in the, in the early times. There were a few problems that Titus was to go there and straighten out and um, bring health in place of um, dysfunction. And Paul calls Titus in verse 4, he says, uh, a true child in a common faith. And that's pretty cool because uh, Paul is is a Jew, he's a Jewish man, brought up as a Jew, very strict uh, Jew. Um, But Titus was not Jewish, he was a Gentile. And um, uh, he was from a different cultural background, different upbringing, And yet already we can see that the two of them are united together, despite their differences and their different backgrounds, they're united together through faith in Jesus. 
And that's the awesome thing about the church, I think, is, is that it can bring, and it does bring together people from very diverse uh, and, um, in a worldly sense, disunited backgrounds, and bring them together united through Jesus. And we have Jesus in, in common, and, and, and that is the source of our unity, and it's awesome. And that's what we see here. Uh, so as I said, Titus is currently in Crete, and he's uh, you know, give, been given these uh, instructions to um, direct further operations among the churches in Crete. And first of all, Paul says to Titus, learn the truth. You know, get the truth straight. Be confident in the truth. Be confident in what you believe and then allow it to invade your mind, shape your thinking and steer your living. Learn the truth. That's where it starts. Uh, where, where do we get this from? Well, Paul uh, describes himself in verse 1 as a, a servant of God. You know, he's, he's a leader with humility, which is so important, is it not? He's, he, he's, a, he, he's a servant of God, and yet he describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he recognizes himself as a you know, humble servant of God, but yet stands as one with authority, called by Jesus and sent out on mission for Jesus. That's who's writing the letter, and he says in verse 3, he has been entrusted with this message from God and commanded by God to preach it to the world, anyone who would listen. He makes some pretty big claims, doesn't he, um, here. But he's, he's, he just wants to show us at the start that, that he's not, this isn't just all coming out of Paul's mind. It's not just his ideas, but he understands his message is fundamentally coming to him and to, through, through him to us from God. You know, um, this, is, this is God's message through the apostle, not something that he has made up. And he says he's writing here um, in verse 1 for the, the, the sake of the faith of God's elect. You know, he's, he, he's writing all this stuff. He wants to strengthen the church because of God's chosen people. He wants them to, to, to progress, to, to advance in their faith, to, for the church to be built up. That's, that's the purpose of his writing here. He wants them to learn the truth. And so it's the job of Titus to pass that on, to reinforce what they already know, to help the churches in Crete eat up the truth. And as we'll see, that will really shape uh, their behavior. And the content of this truth then is sort of uh, opened up throughout the rest of the letter. There's a few brilliant summaries of, of, of you know, gospel truth, we could say, in, in chapters 2 and chapter 3, where, where Paul summarizes really beautifully the, the saving work of Jesus and all the wonderful things he's done for us. And I cannot wait to uh, lead you through those, those texts um, in a few weeks' time. But here he says, this is the truth, this is the, the reality, which is the hope of eternal life from God, who never lies, who promised before the ages began, and in the proper time manifested or showed his word through the preaching of Paul. Let's unpack this a little bit, because it's quite a you know, convoluted, uh, I suppose, sentence. Um, Paul's preaching, this, this apostolic message that these Christians have heard, um, is the, the truth of God, as Paul would say. And it came into play, as he writes, before the ages began. So therefore, again, it's not a, not a human idea that, that, that has been thought up by Paul or anyone else, that it came up in the mind of God, so to speak, before the ages began, before there was anything in existence. God um, made uh, commitments to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to bring eternal life to humankind that had not yet even been created. That is amazing. But that's what it says. And this promise of God uh, was revealed in hints and shadows through creation and through the Old Testament people of God. But now, says Paul, at the proper time, this truth 
has been made crystal clear by God to all the world through Jesus. And it's been entrusted to Paul and the other apostles to share it with the world. That's what we're seeing here in these first few verses. So the, what we learn from Paul here and all this and what he goes on to write in the letter has come from God through Paul to us by the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand where this is all coming from um, so that you're not just wasting time listening to my opinions on this and that and the other thing. That's not what this is. This is from God if we follow the chain through. Why is this important? Why is it important for us to learn the truth? Why is it important for the churches in Crete to learn the truth? Um, why does he show and labor to show that this stuff has originated from God in God's mind before the foundations of the earth? Why is it important that we understand that God never lies? Well, it's important to uh, the churches in Crete, composed mostly of new believers in Jesus, it's important for them to see how faith contrasts to the prevailing views of what's going on in the world around them. There's a huge difference, you see, between the truth that comes from God's mind through the apostle to the church and the truth that is floating around. It's just in the air around them. It's a very different take. As we'll see through the the series again, uh, particularly the island of Crete had a pretty big problem with what we could describe as the truth. Um, Islanders, uh, for them, truth was negotiable. Truth was variable. Uh, truth was something that, that, that could be changed, that could be, that could be trimmed, uh, something uh, that, that you can use to get what you want. That's how it was in Crete. You, you can use the truth to make it work for you. And so the churches here were struggling against this sort of ingrained culture, as we'll see, of conspiracy theories, controversies, religious quarreling, all that stuff. Crete themselves, the Cretans, um, had a reputation for, for telling very tall stories indeed. In fact, they claimed, uh, we're told by historians, they claimed, much to the dislike of the rest of the sort of Greco-Roman world, that the chief god, the chief Greek god Zeus, was buried in Crete. That's what the Cretans claimed, and they had this little site, and you know, they sort of honored him and all the rest of it. It was a completely groundless and sort of self-acclaiming status that they took for themselves. But just goes to show they felt like they were free to make stuff up if it worked for them. No one believed them at all, but, but they just irritated everyone else. But that's what they thought. That's what they held. The Greek, Greek god was buried in our, own, in our own island. That makes us really special, does it not? Even the poet, a famous poet from Crete called Epimenides, it's actually quoted later on in the letter, Um, said of his own people. He's one of them, and he says of his own people, this is a quote from his poetry, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. He's saying that about his own people. So he obviously knows a thing or two. That's what they're like. There's even a word in in, in, uh, Koine Greek um, used, uh, and the word is this, kretizo. It meant to play the cretin. As a euphemism, you know, it, it meant to, uh, to, to be a total liar, you know, just to fabricate the truth to suit yourself. That's what that word kretizo meant. These people had a reputation for manipulating the truth, making it up to suit their own purposes. And so it's into this context that Paul contrasts the truth of God, the true truth, with the fake and flimsy version of truth 
but it seemed to change with every wind of thought in Crete. And the difference is night and day. You see all this about thinking and, and, and knowing what you believe and learning the truth. This is more than just a battle of our minds. You know, this is, this is more than just a battle of ideas. This is completely crucial. And this is why Paul is, is going hard at this, even at the start of his letter. Because he knows that the, one of the basic principles of philosophy is what you think drives how you behave. What you think drives how you behave. Always does. So, so your, your, your core concepts, we could say, your, the deeply, most deeply held versions of truth that you and I and every single person has at the core of their being will play out in the way that they act and behave. The two are inseparable. This is true of individuals. It's true of you. Um, but it's also true of collectives of individuals, societies. Commonly held beliefs will shape how a society acts. So when it comes down to how they see human rights, or their idea of justice, or, or their interest in politics, or how they view art, or sexuality, or love, or the world, or money, or any of these such things, all of these are formed and upheld and promoted because of a set of fundamental truth claims. That is, a, as far as we can see, a universal truth across all places and all peoples. But the problem here that, that Paul faces and the churches in Crete face is that <clears throat> the practices in Cretan society left much to be uh, desired. Uh, in fact, it wasn't a good place to live. Now it's quite a nice place to go on holiday. You know, you get a good suntan, find a nice four-star or five-star if you can afford it, hotel, um, go chill by the pool. But in those days, it was not a nice place to live at all. <clears throat> um, it was in the, the grip of what we could describe as fairly destructive behaviors. And again, this comes out through the letter as we go on, but, but we see uh, problems with addiction, particularly to alcohol. Uh, the society in Crete was completely divided um, along sort of... Uh, tribal and political lines. Um, there was even, a, you know, just a general lack of respect and general common decency. It was entirely uh, frequent and ordinary to use and abuse one another for personal gain. To even rob others if that's what you need to do to get by. And so that's why Paul is telling us this morning through the scripture, truth matters. Learn the truth. Get the truth straight. You show me how a society behaves, and I'll be able to tell you what they believe. Maybe you think to yourself, well, you know, I just, I just sort of get on with my life. I don't really think in terms of deep questions of philosophy. I just get on with it. I just go to work. I look after my family. I do, do what is necessary, pay the bills, and have a bit of free time for leisure and whatnot. I don't really think about these things. Allow me to push back a little bit. I think we all have answers to the big questions. Whether we consciously uh, and daily think about them is another matter. We all have answers to who we are and why we're here and who made us and what's the purpose of life and what happens at death. How you answer those key things will shape very much what you, what you do, how you live. So get the truth straight. We need that today as well, because 
we, we know this, don't we? we? We live in a world that is shaky on the truth. Or rather, everybody has their own version of truth. Or truth is what you make it. Or truth is what can be used by the politicians or the elites or the people with power. You know, we've heard of the concept of fake news, which wasn't around about five years ago, not in public uh, discourse anyway. Fake news and fake, fake news. You know, people are just so opinionated. So much more. If you um, are a user of social media, you'll know that the, uh, the general tone has become increasingly toxic and angry over the last few years. Even scientific truth can be weaponized and used to promote this or that political aim or agenda, one side of the argument or not. Even those things that appear completely self-evident and obvious, such as gender or sexuality roles, are totally up for grabs and can be redefined. It seems to be that, my, my view is anyway, that our Western culture is starting to eat itself up from the inside. We need true truth. And Paul says, you can get it here. It is available. Um, you can hear it. You can hear true truth. You can understand true truth. You can be owned by true truth. And when you grasp it, it'll give you life and healing and unity. Pure truth, according to Paul, and we'll see this over the next few weeks, is beautiful because it rises above all the mess and manipulation of the world's version or versions of truth. True truth brings life, and it brings with it a hope of a deep and rich eternal life. So first of all, get the truth straight. And the second thing then Paul uh, communicates to the church, churches, is let the truth shape you. In other words, live the truth, you know, learn the truth, and then live the truth. Um, because we get that from, from verse 1, because Paul is not just talking about a basic set of ideas in our minds, but he says, uh, you know, he's writing for the, 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 the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. All right, it's the truth uh, that accords with godliness. It's the second major theme of the, of the letter. Uh, Paul, as, he, as we say, is writing for the sake of the faith to further it and strengthen it, to take the truth and to help his, his followers to press it out into their lives and into their churches. And again, this is so crucial for us um, at this stage, I think, in our, in our life as a church and, and, and in what's going on in the world around us. Because for many people, for many people in this city and beyond, religion stops at truth. Rather, I'm pointing to my head if you're listening on the podcast, but religion stops with ideas. It's, it's truth on its own. It's a set of propositions for many people. That's what religion is. Religion is, 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 is about understanding. It's about reciting various statements. And if you can do that, then you're religious. But let me put it to you that if we stop here, if that's our only idea of religion, a bunch of ideas in our brains then quite frankly, we can become very horrible people with that kind of knowledge. Not what the world wants or needs. Because you see, if the truth, if it does not melt you, if it does not transform you from the inside out, then that truth is purely external. And you will behave just like non-religious people. 
except with a bunch of religious language that you've adopted. Um, for you, it'll just be religious sentiment, and it'll go no further than that. If the truth does not melt your heart, Often, people who just allow the truth to percolate in their brains can be worse than ordinary people who don't have religion. Because those who own a set of external truths can become proud and arrogant about those truths. They can think to themselves, if not consciously, but subconsciously, I believe this. I believe the right things about God. And therefore, I am somehow better than you, who do not believe the right things about God. And so for many uh, religious types, a uh, religious truth becomes simply another way to get what you need, a sense of superiority over someone else, a, a way to control or manipulate people. I have knowledge that you do not have, therefore I can control you. And we meet such cases later on in chapter one. People in the churches are doing just that. Paul says he writes for the sake of of the faith, that is to strengthen uh, their faith. Yes, he wants them to be certain about the things they already believe, but he wants them to strengthen the truth which accords to godliness. You know, he wants churches in Crete to be stronger in how the truth plays out in their lives, in their small communities formed around this truth. He, he wants the churches to make a difference, to make an impact in that society in Crete. See, when you, when you accept God's truth, as, as he teaches us through the scripture, uh, and, and in, in these words, his promise of eternal life, when we accept that through Jesus, we cannot live like those who have no truth. It doesn't add up. Get the truth straight and allow the truth to shape us. That means that when we absorb the truth, when we receive it, when it goes down into our hearts, we, we will start to reject selfish living, self-indulgence. We will stop thinking of ourselves and our needs and desires as the most important things in our lives. Instead, we put others' needs and desires above our own. According to Paul here, God's truth sets up God's people. And this is such a sharp contrast to the world around them, to Cretan society. So away with this me-centered living. Instead, Christ-centered living. Now he is the most important person in my life. I live for him, not for me. And to understand that is revolutionary. Later, Paul in the letter writes that Jesus Christ gave himself to redeem us from all lawless behavior and to purify for himself a people zealous for good works. Later on, he encourages Titus to teach what matches up with sound Doctrine, get the truth straight and let the truth shape you. So when you get the truth, you'll stop all of your drunkenness. You'll stop all of your rebellion, your lawlessness. You'll stop being so opinionated and arrogant once you understand the truth of what Jesus has done for you. As if you are right all the time. Of course you're not. Instead, once we understand the truth and we start living the truth, we become self-controlled. We become wise. We see relational health in all of our connections. We become decent citizens of our city and our nation once we let the truth shape us. 
This may sound like um, digging over old ground to you. Perhaps you've heard this type of talk very often in church. But I just want to counsel you and, and encourage you that what we're reading here and what we're going to be seeing over these next few weeks is, in fact, incredibly radical. And it's incredibly timely for us as a church and us as a society. Just imagine the kind of society in Crete. Imagine what was normal in their own expectations. But then imagine a small and yet resilient group of people living out life very differently in the city. A group that's united by their faith in what Paul preaches, that Jesus is alive and eternal life is available through him. Imagine a group that is, is gripped and transformed by this message so much so that their lives are radically different from those of the rest of society around them. That's what he's shooting for in this letter, and that's what we're shooting for in this church. Instead of hoarding our riches and resources, we become defined by our generosity. Instead of our continual self-gratification, we are defined by our selfless service of other people. Instead of climbing over the weakest in society to make much of ourselves, we are defined by love and service and advocacy of the weakest in society. Instead of stirring up division and contention, we quietly and consistently seek and model reconciliation, unity, and what it means to be a good citizen. Instead of conformity to societal norms and things that win the cheap applause of the rich and powerful, we will take the hardest route, if necessary, to proclaim and live out the truth of God and enjoy his plan for eternal life in our city. This is what we're aiming for here at Foundation Church Belfast. We say our, our vision is to catalyze a gospel transformation of this city and our nations. That's what we want to do, and it starts here, folks. It starts with learning the truth and living the truth. Okay, there's a few more things that we need to do in response, but that's just application. Learn the truth and live the truth. That's how we get there. And yet, as we're seeing, and we will see over the next few weeks, this does not happen in a bubble. It's not something you can go and achieve on your own as a lone ranger. Yes, there are particular and unique callings that God gives you that he hasn't given the person sitting next to you. But we do this together as a community. As God's people together, cheering one another on, resourcing and equipping and encouraging each other. It doesn't happen in a bubble. It happens together as part of community. And if you're not connected um, to a community, church fellowship, um, we'd love you to, to think about connecting here with us and putting your roots down and just saying publicly, yes, I belong here. These are my people. Uh, we're on mission together. We say here at Foundation Church we're gospel-centered Spirit-empowered community on mission. And so my prayer and hope, together over the next few weeks as we study through these, these amazing sections of this letter, um, is that God will, will release that fire in us and among us, uh, making us healthy and strong, but also powerful uh, as we go out on mission for Jesus.